Hello from your favorite Grasslands PR team. We're back after our break for season three. Yep. Sure. Of the best biome. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Rachel. I'm Nicole. And I'm Alan. Uh, and we're going to think cold thoughts today. Ooh. I just want to get. Terrible. Nope. Nicole. I'm having a horrible time. <laughs> Nicole, it's a good thing. I wait all year long to be cold. Okay. Fascinating. I do. I When it snows, mm-hmm. I go outside immediately. All right? Right. I am desperately just, hmm, I cannot stand the warm weather. Okay? So mm-hmm. we're going to think cold thoughts because it's a cold time of year. It's very cold outside right now. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. It's But it's very chilly. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, and so we're going to be thinking about a very cold grasslands topic. So Snow. we're going to transport ourselves mentally to some of the coldest Grasslands. Siberia. Mongolia. Close. Close. I'm talking about grasslands that are closer to home. Okay. Canada. Canada. <laughs> the Canadian prairies, where <laughs> it gets occasionally colder than Antarctica and occasionally colder than Mars. <gasps> That's probably colder than the moon, too. Very chilly. Probably. How warm is the moon? Space? I have no idea. Temperature? Space temperature. (laughs) Right? There's no atmosphere. (laughs) I don't know how space works. (laughs) I mean, yes. So it's very cold. Very cold. Um, But yeah, we're going to be talking about the Canadian prairies. Now, of course, I don't need to, uh, you know. You guys know your Canadian geography. I don't of need course, to. I yeah. don't need to. Uh, uh, I can just assume mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. when I say the Canadian Prairie Provinces, you know which three I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah, for sure. But you should definitely just tell everyone. No, why don't Columbia. you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Victoria is one of them, maybe? I don't know. Ontario. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure two of those were cities. Yeah, they are. <laughs> we're talking about. Manitoba. Yeah, there we go. Manitoba. That's the one that's just like right up north of uh, North Dakota. Borders mm-hmm. like North Dakota, Minnesota. Montana. Got Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yes. And city. Alberta. Exactly. Go. Good job, okay, guys. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. all sound like cities. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely heard of all of those before. Just guys, can't it's, pull them. Right, it's so close to us. It's, it's, I don't even... it's not just America's hat, okay? It's well, a whole beautiful country. For sure. I, I barely know America's geography, too. It's not, it's not a matter of like, oh, I'm an American, so I don't know. Yeah, no, you that's know. fair. Yeah. That's fair. But it's clear that you don't think about Canada at all. I mean, But you're going to today. You're going to today. Great. All right. Um, now, these places are interesting, the Canadian Prairie Provinces, and um, they are... Uh, special because this is where you have the northern reaches of the Great Plains shift into the boreal forests of the north, which of course means that is also the zone of historic overlap between the Plains bison and their lesser known cousin, the wood bison. Mm. That's what I want to talk about today because these are animals that are very good at being cold in this very cold place now these are uh these are not two separate species of bison of course uh they are subspecies you have the plains bison uh which is bison 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 (laughs) and then you have the wood bison which is bison bison athabasca um so they're very very closely related um but very different um obviously because they occupy two very different habitats right the uh you don't start seeing the wood bison so named because they prefer that ecozone of the boreal forest right so we're going to get into it um we're also going to pay some special attention here to and this is like the topic that really kind of took me um or like took my brain on a, a journey, okay. <laughs> and that's I got really fascinated with uh, with bison restoration. Mm-hmm. Okay, just like the actual, like the 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 conservation, the story of that, and how that's going. Because there is, you would probably, I just think one of you will argue with me about this, <laughs> but <laughs> there is probably no no animal that is more significant 
okay, uh, ecologically or culturally to the Great Plains, to North American grasslands, than the bison. Mm-hmm. Can we accept that premise? I accept. <laughs> I accept. Especially, especially with the cultural part of it, because, you know, yeah. nobody likes prairie dogs. And I'm assuming that's what you meant. There we go. Yeah, yeah there's no one likes prairie dogs. <laughs> <laughs> we like prairie dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, despite that uh, high level of ecological importance, they are, and there are plenty of bison out there, they are ecologically extinct. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like the first time I heard uh, someone say that. I think it was like a wildlife biologist when I was doing like a master naturalist training or something. They said, mm-hmm. you know, described bison as being ecologically extinct. And that phrase just like, Ugh. you know, it feels yeah. it feels like <laughs> it's it feels really bad um, because there are, again, like bison population. The bison as a as a species is stable, mm-hmm. um, but they're never they do not occupy anywhere close to the same uh niche that they did uh a century ago right so um i was curious like so what what does what does bison restoration look like what are the goals for that uh and what has been like the journey behind that because it is weird and frustrating (laughs) (laughs) but uh but it's it's very interesting and honestly um Kind of a little hopeful, uh, I think, uh, which is not what the, what I was expecting. I was expecting this to be like, you know, uh, oh, like, well, what's the point? They're <laughs> ecologically extinct, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, as I as I delved more into the topic and and uh, and and read recovery plans and read research, and I kind of thought, like, you know, this is this is interesting. Like, there's actually there's really actually something to this. Like there is actually some hope to be, to be taken from this story. So uh, let's talk about our bison friends, specifically the wood bison. Um, We already talked about how much you guys know about Alberta a ton. (laughs) There's a lot of ducks in Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about one. Name one. What do you mean? Name one duck in Alberta. Yeah. What do you even know about ducks? Name five ducks that you know. Do you even like ducks? (laughs) insane <laughs> there's okay. so many ducks unlimited projects in Alberta. <laughs> prairie pothole region that's all i got yeah oh yeah yeah the prairie potholes every duck every there. every duck. oh wow <laughs> okay uh alberta is as we just said home to uh both subspecies of north american bison it's also home to a place called wood buffalo national park yeah. um which is the second largest national park hmm. on earth it's a big one, okay? Um, it is, uh, 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 it's like a, a controversial place that, it, you know, for it to exist, because obviously it exists on uh, indigenous lands. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is uh, ecologically a fascinating place. Um, you have it being the the home to this, this interface between uh, the Great Plains and the Boreal Forest, and uh, also a lot of other stuff. Natural whooping crane habitat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, what's uh, like a nesting habitat for whooping cranes. Um, you have one of the most northernmost populations of snakes in the world there. What species? Uh, it was like the red-sided something. Name five snakes. Uh, <laughs> can't do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, home to one of the world's longest beaver dams. It's oh. visible from space, right? Half mile long. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of that's a lot of wood. It's a lot of beaver action. Ooh, um, that's why the wood bison are there. And, uh, <laughs> they do love wood. Uh, and it is home, of course, to more than 3,000 wood bison, uh, which is uh, uh, close to half of the uh, the remaining uh, wild population. Dang. So it's an important wow. place. Um, and we're going to talk about, uh, 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 you know, it's obviously so named for the, the, uh, the bison. Um, and it's sort of the the central beginning of where wood bison conservation starts. Um, so let's, let's get a little background though. What is a wood bison? First of all, it is technically America's largest land animal, bigger than their, uh, their Southern cousin, um, by about 20% or so they, they get a little heavier. Yeah, it's significant. Um, they are, uh, they're larger. They have, um, like if you look at them side by side, 
wood bison have a much taller and more angular hump. It's like, like, it's really like a clean, like, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's, it's very blocky, uh, and intense. Um, that hump is something like, they're like six feet tall at the shoulder. So this is a big, big animal, right? Um, which, you know, don't ever get close enough to a bison to like appreciate that, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Extremely aggressive animals. Um, (laughs) but, uh, um, very large. Uh, and there's a few other differences where you can kind of tell like the, uh, you know, physical differences. Um, wood bison are basically furred all the way to their tail. They don't have like this, you know, cape that stops after their shoulder where you have like this thermal window of like short fur, you know? So they're like furred all the way to the back. Um, they don't have like the, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I just had never thought of a bison as being only partially furred. That's well, I mean, it's like you know, you have like you thick. have like the long, thick, the scruffy wool? cape. Is it, wool? it is, yeah. I guess you can call it woolly. Yeah, bison wool, sure. I think so. I don't know. Was it in the fibers book? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't read the whole thing. It's really long. <laughs> um, they uh, and they they also have a, a sort of like longer limbs uh longer legs but like they don't have chaps that go all the way down to the bottom of their legs like yeah like you know like fluffy chaps yeah yeah yeah. they don't they don't which is weird yeah but everything else is fluffy everything else is fluffy but like not the bottoms of their legs which is weird yeah they can stand taller in the trees I don't know why that. I just pictured them being like climbing into trees. Yeah, um, I was just picturing like a giraffe, a giraffe and bison, <laughs> like just walking through the woods, and then suddenly you see so bison perched in very, trees. Which yeah. could look like anything to the audience who is listening to this in an audio. Medium, well, that was clearly so. me going up and then to the to the side, so uh-huh. like angle, bam, boom. Yeah, yeah. could also yeah. be a giraffe. Though. It's um, good. <laughs> they also have uh, a distinctive. Okay, they don't have the fluffy top uh, that a a bison, uh, plains bison does Mm -hmm. on on the dome. Oh, yeah, because, like, plains bison look kind of like the vultures from Jungle Book. (laughs) With Uh, their tops of their heads. Yes, they do. They have, like, full human hair. At least in winter. I'm... I might need to Google that later because I don't remember what this looks like. Oh, it looks like a bison. <laughs> um, but I no. Think the uh, hairstyles are modeled after the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, I think they oh, are. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I think that, that vaguely rings a bell. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> so sorry. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wood bison, you know, do not have the fluffy top, they have a very shaggy. Uh, uh, like mane on top of their head. Uh, if anything, it looks a bit. One might describe it as emo. Um, nice. They have very mm. long, kind of shaggy, swoopy hair. It is just like a little, like you know, like That's a little beautiful. swoop. Yeah. Why do they look like Willem Dafoe? <laughs> <laughs> they look like what, what are the little things? <laughs> What it's are the intense, little it's an the Irish face. red cows? What are those little cuties called? Oh, uh, Highlands, the Scottish, Highlands, Scottish yeah. Highland. Yeah, yeah, cows. yeah, yeah. That hump is like a right angle. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's very tall, very intense. You heard Alan. <laughs> Which makes sense because I mean, okay, think about the level of snow, the depths of snow that these animals are having to contend with, much greater than your, their plains cousins, right? So, yeah. uh, after all, that is what the purpose of the bison hump is. Correct. It's no. what it is. Yeah. Is this uh, the bison hump? Is it's muscular? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, yeah. it is for, for bulldozing heads. through snow. Yeah, to access grass in the winter. Right. That is why they have it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So bigger hump, taller hump, more snow, better powering. bulldozing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. They're okay. very what laterally compressed. When you look at them head on, they don't. It doesn't make sense that they're that skinny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There are. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> they are very like narrow when you look at them head on. Um, very broad though. Um, Okay, so those are some of the basic physical differences. The ecological differences are probably a little more uh, stark, though. Um, I saw what you meant about the legs being sort of bare-ish on the bottom. Not bare, but the chaps have a stopping point. They have little pantaloons, and they, like... Or high waters, I don't know. Which is weird because there's this okay, there's this thing in, in animal physiology and we've we've talked about it before. Like there's these rules, right? Mm. Um one of those rules is called Allen's rule. <laughs> and it is it is like where, okay, as you as you go higher in latitude, 
animals have comparatively shorter limbs for their body because, I mean, why not? You know, you don't Mm -hmm. want – it's just a more opportunity to lose heat, okay? Uh, So it is weird that the wood bison, which are very high north, uh, their historic range goes from, like, the northern prairie provinces through the northwest territories into – Inland Alaska. Okay, so these are like way up north. Um, Why would they have such long legs and also exposed legs? It's Mm -hmm. weird. I don't know. They also there's also another thing though, which which does make sense for them called Bergman's rule, which is that like you get larger body mass as you go Mm -hmm. up. That's why polar bears are bigger than black bears, right? Um, You know. Yeah. For more heat production. Okay. Anyway. So let's talk about the the ecological differences because those are those are a little more stark, right? Plains bison obviously need wide open areas. Mm-hmm. They're highly mobile, highly migratory, um, constantly in movement. Wood bison though live in a much less open habitat, so they, the the their habitat selection differs quite a bit, and their movement differs quite a bit from uh, their southern cousins, right? Um, after all, they are in a boreal forest. Okay, mm-hmm. that is like they're that is primarily where they're operating, but they are still a grasslands obligate large herbivore. Okay. So they need to still find, Mm -hmm. you know, their diet is primarily graminoids. Um, They do occasionally like browse on trees and stuff in the summertime, Mm -hmm. but they are still looking for grass in the forest. So um, they're a little bit different. They, they tend to seek like these nice open meadows uh, within the, within the woods. um, And, these are like very wet meadows. Like I don't know if you call them wet grasslands or grassy mm. wetlands. Mm. You know One what I mean? One of those situations. One of those situations. But that's yeah. what they're going for. Their diet is like primarily sedges and things like that from those spaces. Um, but that poses a problem, okay, because they're wet meadows, right? It's cold. It's cold. But they actually prefer that, okay? Uh like wood bison tend to thrive a little bit more. They have an easier time accessing those spaces in the winter time mm. uh, rather than when it's warm because they are wet meadows. This is a 2000 pound animal. <gasps> if you're on wet soil, <laughs> okay, oh you will begin to sink. <gasps> that's why they have short pants. That might be. Yeah. Hey, that's a good point. Just dipping in the mud. Um, <laughs> but, like, uh, drowning is a major concern oh, for wood bison. No. <laughs> like, you, oh, like no. you gotta be careful. Okay. Uh, like, and, up drowning? Yeah, like, like drowning is one of well, That was or? listed as like a major threat uh, oh to wood bison survival is drownings. Um, wow. Yeah, no, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, you know, it's, it's a dangerous habitat. There's also, uh, they have like, um, much worse insect situation up there mm-hmm. uh, with biting flies and things like that um, than plains bison do. So there was like – I saw this p- uh, paper that was like about how um, they, they basically select the habitat they're interested in based on how many flies are going to be there. Like, <laughs> like that was like a major trade-off for them. Yeah. Uh, and so seeking like – uh, you know, in the summertime when the flies are out, seeking like drier habitats mm-hmm. to exist in. But then when it gets cold and it's wintertime, the ground is frozen. Then it's like, yeah, let's go to these meadows. We don't need to move very much anymore. We're just like hang out in this meadow and eat a bunch of grass. Mm-hmm. Let's bulldoze it. Let's just have a good time. Nice. But they're very well cold adapted, right? So they kind of thrive a little bit almost in the wintertime. Um, as long as they're not drowning. As long as they're not drowning. Well, they're not drowning <laughs> in the wintertime. Everything's frozen. Yeah. Oh. Everything is frozen. You have to the temperatures in like the the mean temperatures that they're dealing with in uh, in this part of northern Alberta. Um, mean winter temperature for January February is negative twenty one point seven degrees Celsius. That's the mean high. The mean high temperature, negative 21.7 degrees Celsius. The mean low is negative 31.8 degrees Celsius. So it's chilly up there. Um, Obviously, when you get like, you know, some polar vortex situations, uh, Arctic air mass is kind of blowing in. It dips way, way lower than that, too. Mm -hmm. So it's very cold, uh, but they're very well built for it, obviously. Um, They also, uh, as you said, Rachel, Larger animals 
um, do a good job of, you know, conserving their energy. Uh, wood mice in particular have a, a, a very good at slowing their metabolic rate down when it gets cold. Uh, even bison calves, they still have a thick enough like undercoat and everything that they're able to maintain their, uh, maintain or reduce their metabolic rate, uh, down to 30 degrees Celsius. Okay. So like they're, mm. they're, they, they can drop their body temperature quite a bit and still like be fine. Yes. What is, what is it supposed to be? Celsius. So for ruminants, like <laughs> not that cold. <laughs> so thirty degrees Celsius is not very warm. Yeah, thirty degrees Celsius. Uh, let's see, just do the con- you know do the conversion in your head. I can't multiply by nine fifths and add thirty two. I, okay. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. How, how, that would how be that would be that would be normal? like in the mid nineties. That would be like mid to low nineties. Uh, thirty degrees Celsius. And like normally they're like hundred and one. Yeah, because like ruminants run a bit hotter. Uh, I think for like ruminants, it has to be something like 102, 103 inside ruminants for the, the bacteria to really start bacteriaing. How do the bacteria bacteria inside a wood bison if the bacteria are frozen? Well, they're not frozen. I they're mean, just but not, they're just slower. They're just slower, yeah. Because, like, you know, I mean, enzymes, like, have a, you know, everything has, like, a critical temperature at which it won't function. And then there's, uh-huh. like, uh, like uh, there's, like, a range of temperatures where it'll just function not as well. But then okay. there's, like, that ideal temperature mm-hmm. where you start getting stuff like, you know, and everything's, like, <laughs> like everything's churning in there. Uh-huh. And it's, like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that's what it probably feels like. It's just, like, you know, every, like, just. Yeah, it's like a I mean, yeah. it's like a washing machine, except it's, <laughs> except it's all fermenting grass. Yes. Yeah. Have you ever seen the windows into cow stomachs? Because they're wild. Uh, There's a lot of cool stuff going on inside ruminants. Yeah. It's really interesting chemistry, honestly. It is. Yeah. The look of horror on Rachel's face. They eat an incredibly low quality diet, and yet they're the biggest animals on the, yeah. like in on our continent. Yeah, that's really cool. Sorry, I'm just picturing. A washing machine full of chewed up grass. Yeah. With potentially like an open window to the outside world. Yeah. Yeah. Just chock full of bacteria converting, you know, cellulose into fatty acids. Anyway. (laughs) Who guys, good stuff. So, wood bison are a little different, right? They, uh, that, that, that whole habitat they occupy is kind of limiting to their numbers. They were at no point, uh, you know, because these meadows are, fewer and far between they didn't have access to the same kind of just wide open space that uh that the plains bison do mm-hmm. so their numbers were never as high you know plain bison uh in their at their peak numbered in the tens of millions right some estimates have gone up to like 100 million i think mm-hmm. um, at one point that wood bison much lower like in the hundreds of thousands so it is a much more rare animal um like uh, at the beginning of the 19th century i think they said they're uh, their population was probably about 170,000. Okay. okay. And let's thinking of where that, that's where they started. Okay. Mm-hmm. This would be a good segue into like their conservation story. Yeah. Now there's like 6,000, you said. <laughs> <laughs> they, there used to be 170,000 of them. That number cratered. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in the, in the 19th century, mm. around the turn of the 20th century, there was about 300 of them. <laughs> Yikes. It's grim. Okay. Um, the same story as with the Plains Bison, though. Mm-hmm. A lot of overexploitation, a lot of hunting, a lot of development in that region. Um, you know, logging, agriculture, mm-hmm. energy, that sort of thing. All starting to mining, all this activity directly impacting their population. Mm-hmm. Were they important to indigenous people too the same way plains bison were yeah yeah to yeah. the to the athabascan people and uh um there's a there's a number of indigenous nations up in that part of canada that mm. that were yeah mm. reliant on on them and and you know and maybe not to the extent necessarily that um the plains cultures were because it is a different environment like the the boreal forest is a little bit slightly richer environment in some ways you know than 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 the planes were mm-hmm. uh, so but yeah uh, still still of importance to them mm-hmm. uh, the indigenous people in that part of the continent ha- um, like they have I think they've like continuously occupied that region for something like 40,000 years wow. like the history is incredible there you know um, so um, yeah 
and then a lot of things happened in the last 200 years. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, that number plummeted. That was in the uh, that was at the turn of the, of the 20th century, right? Then two decades later, an even bigger disaster would happen. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, and this is this would be the thing that would pro- probably more than anything jeopardize the potential future of the wood bison and whether or not this animal would be able to continue its existence. Uh, in 1925, they transplanted, okay, they relocated to Wood Buffalo National Park 6,673 plains bison. Oh, my God. Not good. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did they just not know any better or were they? Well, no, hold on. These this was, a, this was something that was controversial at the time. <laughs> Conservation biologists at the time were like, this is not a good idea. There's so few wood bison up here. We're going to transplant twice as many plains bison into their area. Mm-hmm. And what's worse, these plains bison were diseased. What? <laughs> yes. They, they were known to be diseased? They were known to be diseased. Who? Wild. Wait, who is that's they? That's so much money. Um, yeah. Like, who it was. It was this? to, like, avoid... I think they were trying to, like, avoid mass, like, a mass coal or something, and so they decided mm. to just relocate them instead. Who's they? Like, the government? The Canadian um, government? Like, who, who did this? It was... Let's see. I actually don't have a source on, like, who they is. I don't know if it was producers, but, I mean, obviously it would have been with the sign-off of the Canadian government because they're moving into a national park. Right, yeah. So, yes, so... A controversial thing that happened. Now, obviously, this led to two things. It led to widespread hybridization right. between plains bison and wood bison, <sighs> um, which you know affects the uh, you know genetic diversity of the wood bison, and it also led to endemic diseases being coming stable in the population. Mm. Both very bad things. Now. Um, the Wikipedia page, <laughs> this is just a funny thing. The Wikipedia page is like weirdly salty about this. Uh, <laughs> okay. Whoever whoever edited that, like, uh, if you look at the wood, like the Wood Buffalo National Park, mm-hmm. they're like they say wood bison parentheses not pure. <gasps> like oh. you know, like the, these are like the not they're not uh-huh. real wood bison, and like Ooh. it's it's like all over the place on their page that uh-huh. they are always like, oh, this is a genetically compromised animal. It's not a wood bison. Like Dang. it's a wood bison. Like there was, they threw up air quotes around them uh-huh. uh, or quotes. Uh-huh. I'm wow. throwing up, you know. Uh, so I don't know, but like it, it's a contentious thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was so much hybridization between these two uh, that they actually did a study in the 30s looking at. Uh, all the different populations. That's okay. Much for it. Like that's like five years later. <laughs> yeah, they did a, a study oh, in the thirties no. looking at all the different, uh, um, uh, all the different populations and found that there was like, even between populations of bison within this park, there was mm-hmm. stark morphological differences. Oh, wow. Okay. So you got like, it's all over the place. Like these are kind of, you know, uh, Franken bison uh, at that point. <laughs> oh, um, and of course, like, you know, most bison, are already in commercial yeah. production. So they're already Compromised. interbred yeah. with cattle and that sort of thing, right? right. Beefalo, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, it, the the genetic, you know, the, the evolutionary, uh, you know. Distinction? Yes. It's like it starts to fade a little bit, mm-hmm. right? We're lo- you're losing, uh, yeah. you're losing all the, the genes that make, uh, that allowed those populations to be stable in this region at one point. Yeah. Ooh, so that's that, real bad. Was that like the, the one place where that, like there were, sorry, was every single wood bison affected by this? No. Okay. Uh, and, and that was, that was like the silver lining is that mm-hmm. they did start finding very isolated populations of wood bison still oh, uh, in the Northwestern territories. And like in, you know, it with, even within the park itself, they found gotcha. isolated populations of wood bison that had not interbred with plains bison. And those were the ones that they really focused on in terms of relocating them mm-hmm. outside of the park Good. to become what is today the 
disease-free stable populations. <laughs> okay. So. Okay. So yeah. they do exist. Whew, yeah, but, <laughs> but boy, they they really like they really tread close to uh, to essentially making this animal extinct. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, just through just through one very questionable move. That again, at the time, uh. people were like, "We shouldn't do this." <laughs> you know, we like you know we think like, okay, you know, ecology is a fairly new scientific discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, in the grand scheme of things. They didn't probably know better, but like, no, these people did know better. Like, yeah, they did know yeah. this was going to be a bad situation. That's wild. Um, skirting disaster with the hybridization thing. The the wood bison uh, recovery really ramped up in the uh, middle of the 20th century. Um, they were initially listed as threatened as a threatened species under Canada's version of the uh, Endangered Species Act uh, in 1978. And uh, that's when, like, active recovery started. Uh, that's when they started transplanting bison out, um, started captive breeding programs, right, uh, managing captive herds and then reintroducing them into the wild, um, trying to get disease-free, stable groups of wood bison that can free range again. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, it started working really well, right? So um, from – they started – they listed them in 1978. Uh, the population was went up to almost 10,000 by the early 90s. So a big boost. Uh, and uh, um, they, uh, they've, they've remained uh, – they've remained listed as threatened under the uh, uh, SARA, the SARA which is like the Species at Risk Act. Mm -hmm. That's Canada's version of it. Uh, uh, To this day, actually. Um, So the recovery is going, um, it's going very well. They do currently have, I believe, nine different populations uh, that are disease-free, which is good because the diseases they have are very, very bad. Uh, The diseases they got from Plains Bison uh, included BTB, what is that? Bovine tuberculosis. Uh, uh, that's uh, Mycobacterium bovis. Um, it's a very, very serious infection. Um, it's chronic, obviously, like, you know, like like human tuberculosis. It can actually affect human beings as well, oh, wow. um, which is uh, creates a whole public health concern with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are really wide ranging impacts of a bovine tuberculosis infection, uh, especially in a free ranging wildlife because it can start infecting livestock. It can mm-hmm. pass to cattle and that sort of thing that we've got a whole mess on our hands. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you, this is dark. Can you eat a bovid that's <clears throat> infected? Uh, you can get the, uh, the bacteria through either raw or unpasteurized milk gotcha. or uh, raw or undercooked meats okay. from an infected animal. Okay. Um, it's a big, it's like, it's a really big concern for farm workers. Okay. Yeah. And for veterinarians, mm-hmm. uh, because you're actually dealing with like the tissues that have the lesions and things like that, like that, yeah. you know, you're directly in contact with these, uh, mm-hmm. these, these sick animals. Right. Um, but it, it's, it's a really serious problem. Um, and if you have, uh, bovine tuberculosis infection, um, you know, like it's taken very seriously by the cattle industry, by, you know, s- stakeholders in that, in that realm. So it like it ramps up immediately into this huge thing of monitoring and, you know, uh, eradicating and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to stomp out that infection as soon as possible. Um, I did. That's, you know, when I was when I worked in Indiana, that's what that's why I was there, mm-hmm. because they had a few positives of bovine tuberculosis and deer there that they were worried was going to jump into the cattle population. Gotcha. And even just like a few positives there turned into a multi-year monitoring program wow. where they looked at hundreds, they tested hundreds of deer. Like, you know, it, it became a very big deal. So like, wow. yeah, it's intense. Um, the other one that they're very concerned about is also extremely dangerous. It's brucellosis. Um, which is another bacterial infection. Uh, the one that affects bison primarily is Brucella abortus, uh, which, based on the name, gives you an idea that it affects it affects the liver, the spleen, and also the reproductive system. So it does cause a lot of um, like fetal miscarriage and uh, and like stillbirth mm-hmm. for cattle and bison. 
um, which is not great if you're trying to actively recover population, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's all bad. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really, really bad. Um, the... Uh, again, that's an ex- another extremely dangerous one, and it's one that you know cattle producers are going to be very on mm-hmm. yeah. high alert for. So you know, which which adds another layer of complication to a recovery program because mm-hmm. people don't want free ranging populations of animals with diseases just going wherever they want. Yeah. You know, that's not, that's a tough sell. Um, so those are the issues, uh, the disease issues they dealt with. Uh, another disease issue that bison, uh, these wood bison struggle with is actually uh, extreme anthrax outbreaks. Um, <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. There are, uh, there's anthrax uh, in the soil up there okay. uh, that occasionally affects, uh, occasionally affects these bison. Um, and when it does, it's catastrophic. Um, <laughs> there, there have been 23 documented extreme anthrax outbreaks, uh, killing at least 2,266 bison uh in three areas between 1962 and 2015 and consider that's like a big chunk of the the bison that are left um there uh in in 2012 there was an outbreak uh, in the mckinsey herd um that uh had about a 50 percent mortality rate so it's not great so a disease definitely the biggest possible threat that they're facing Mm -hmm. um in addition to all the other standard threats you'd think about you know uh, you know, development, habitat loss, climate change. All the good stuff. All the mm-hmm. good stuff. Highlights. Yes. The classics. So, <laughs> so uh, very challenging, right? This whole program is, is uh, it, they definitely had the odds against them, but um, like the response and the, the effort has really made a difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um you know, like we said, through the captive breeding, through relocation, reintroduction, um, they've 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 actually propped up quite a few of these. Um, yeah, these these stable and disease free herds uh, all throughout Canada. It's not just in Alberta. And uh, in 2008, they also started reintroducing them to Alaska as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's 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 exciting. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it honestly, it seems to be going pretty well. Um, the goal for all these, uh, you know, when I was looking at the, the 2018 recovery plan, uh, their goal, it is just kind of cool to see something expressed in these terms, but their goal is to get all of their current populations to over a thousand individuals and then maintain that for 200 years. (laughs) Right. It's like, that's like, wow, that's. They're really thinking down the road. You know, yeah. this is like this is <laughs> yeah. like a really a long like, which is nice because that mm-hmm. should be the goal. Okay, you are trying to affect the long term mm-hmm. recovery of an animal. The goal is you know to keep these you know thousand plus disease free populations eventually have them interconnect, mm-hmm. so that there can be gene flow. There yeah. can be you know disease gets, flow though. Get some of that. Another disease. Yeah, keep them disease free. Okay. They okay. Gotta keep them away from the the. the the about half of the current population is disease free. Uh, all of the ones in Wood Buffalo National Park are diseased. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. so they're going to keep them away from uh, there, but they want them to connect. They're trying. They're still trying to eradicate the diseases within the the, the national park group. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, you know, once that's taken care of, uh, then you can have you know that exchange. Um, they think that you know. If you have populations at that level for that long, then you've got like a 90% chance of maintaining uh, that genetic diversity uh, in perpetuity, right? So that's very exciting. Um, And what's cool about that is like, like once you have bison herds that are able to free range over a massive area, we're talking like 20,000 square miles. Like it's a big area up there. You know, then you, you, you can kind of start to think about like, well, they really are starting to assume some of that mm-hmm. ecological niche that they once had at that mm-hmm. point. Like their numbers are very low still. I mean, not that low considering they historically weren't like as populous as Plains Bison, but sure. it's like, it's very encouraging, I think, to mm-hmm. think about like, wow, that's the goal. And they're making measurable progress towards it. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems really ambitious uh, to try and, um, to try and achieve a reintroduction on this scale, but it really does seem like the Canadian government and uh, uh, you know 
Alaska Fish and Game, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, like they are really making measurable progress towards that. Mm -hmm. So that's like it's an encouraging kind of conservation story, I think. Not not as not as depressing as it sounded like it was going to be right at the <laughs> beginning because things did get very bad for a while uh -huh. there. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the story of the wood bison. I guess I have some other random things I could say about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Why not? Let's say some random stuff. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> um, their evolutionary history is kind of interesting. Um, I almost took a went down a rabbit hole of like bison in the Pleistocene because uh -huh. there's some really cool bison species like oh, back yeah. in the day. I uh, thought for sure, like I know <laughs> I was very tempted, but I needed mm -hmm. to like at some point reduce the scope of the episode. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, there's some very cool ones. Um, uh, bison latifrons, massive, huge horned, uh, is is a is a. a like that was more of an early Pleistocene ancestor um, and B. Priscus uh, more recently in the Pleistocene, um, which had two humps. Ooh, a, a cool two one. humped bison. Two humped bison. What was the second hump for? Snow? Just extra power. Extra snow? Because <laughs> these were these were from uh these would have been from the the steppe. Mm -hmm. Uh these were Asian steppe species. Right. Um in the in the in the Pleistocene that would have migrated here. That's where they come from. Uh the like the divergence between wood bison and plains bison was very recent. It was only like five thousand years ago. So like mm -hmm. post Pleistocene. Like they're very yeah, closely true. related, extremely closely related. Um and they're actually really still closely related to a lot of uh, a lot of the old world bison species, right? Mm -hmm. um, plains bison, wood bison, very closely related to European bison, very closely related to the steppe bison, which is no longer around. Um, but they have actually like reintroduced some wood bison to Russia. Oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, where it's even colder and they love it there. Aww. Uh, Wait, I'm still stuck on this two hump thing. Where are the humps? Is it like a bedroom camel? Or is it, is it like one hump per like side yeah, of the neck? I'll show you a picture. I'll show you a picture. One hundred <laughs> like pauldrons, like yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, this is this is some failure art of a uh, of a of a bee priscus. That looks like one hump. Yeah, but it's two. Uh, I can kind of see it. Yeah, it's a it's, a, it's a double hump. Yeah, it's so one it's big hump with two knobs on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, so it's like, it's like a it's like a hump with a saddle knob on the front. Yeah. Like 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 there you go. Like see, there's there's like it with the plains bison right there. Like. Boop, boop, double hump. If I, okay. All right. You know what? Sus. If you don't want to believe mammologists, you don't have <laughs> well, to. It just looks like it's all the same structure. Wow. Well, probably, yeah. Is? Underneath it yeah. probably is more obvious. Uh, <laughs> probably. Probably. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, they're actually um, – the wood bison are actually a good candidate for potentially reintroducing step bison as well. Mm. Um by you like having them be a um, you know a host for cloned embryos of step mm. bison, wow. uh, which is I don't know is that Jurassic Parky a little bit, but I'm bit. kind of for it. Yeah, well, bison are neat. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Also, if we completely mess up in the future and we're like, oops, we introduced diseased plains bison to every wood bison population that exists because one weird guy got in charge of some stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it gives some hope for the future that you know we could potentially re-incubate new ones and try again uh, yeah that's the Which, spirit well that's a lot of work that's a whole ethical yeah. thing we don't need to get into but yeah well you know yes it is but why, why does that feel better than the quagga i don't remember what... <laughs> that was so long ago that i did yeah. that episode i don't remember why i hated the quagga project so much mm. i really did yeah the step bison sure why not You're i don't not. know why that's different maybe you've changed do you still maybe you feel about the quagga now <laughs> Well, I, I still hate them, but I don't remember why I hate them. So I don't Sounds think that's like... a valid point. <laughs> yeah, maybe I need to yeah. revisit that. Mm. I, you know, I don't know how I feel about it either necessarily. Uh -huh. um, but it's, I don't know. It's for such oh. a recently, yeah. What? Sorry. I, the quagga went extinct because like it just went extinct. Whereas like all these other animals like went extinct because like humans, you know? Right. And that feels yeah. different. When you're yeah, when you're fixing a mistake and you're and it has a place to go back to, yes. That is different. That is a good than, point. Than like, I just want a cool animal to come back. Yes. Because in theory, like if you designate, you know, critical habitats mm -hmm. and 
allow these critical habitats, you know, allow connection and migration between these critical habitats, mm -hmm. then you can actually, res there is like a place for these animals to go. Yes. You're right. Like you can to an extent restore that ecological niche, mm -hmm. not on the same scale it used to be, but you can still have them like a stable wild population existing ecologically like it should yeah. is a possibility for these animals still. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, it is a little different. It's not like bringing back a woolly mammoth, which would be awesome. But not, <laughs> where, where but, are we going to put them? <laughs> yeah, but where are they going to go? Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> Besides Siberia, maybe? Or Ooh, uh, yeah, the Pleistocene Park? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, those temperatures in Russia that these wood bison hang out in? Negative 71.2 degrees Celsius. God, ooh, don't you just, oh, it makes me just want to like bundle up and go for a walk, you yeah. know? Like, is that, is that without wind chill? I never thought about this before. Oh, no. Um, you know, I would, mm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if they're as, if the wind exposure is as heavy in, um, like, you know, they are in the woods, right? So I don't yeah. know if these wet meadows that they hang out in are as wind exposed as sure. like plains bison. Yeah, in an open habitat. Go ahead, Rachel. You got a question? Yeah, are bison immune to wind chill? Um, immune to wind chill? Yeah, because they're I don't know. Well, furry. I often say, <laughs> right? There is no bad weather. There's mm -hmm. only the wrong clothes. And they're wearing the correct clothes. They're wearing the correct clothes. Yes, mm -hmm. they are outfitted for that kind of uh, those kinds of elements. Mm -hmm. Do they uh, overheat if they're brought to areas where they're not supposed to be? Probably. Like, south? like if they were at a zoo in <laughs> Texas, would yeah. they die? Um, probably. I mean, I don't know. It's probably not great for them. Mm -hmm. uh, they wouldn't be – I can't imagine they'd be very happy. Yeah. yeah. Until the one, you know, freeze every three years that shuts down all of Texas. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, let me see. Do I have anything else I want to say? Okay. Have you ever met – a wood bison? Have I ever met a wood bison? I've not. Mm, I haven't either. What? Because we go to Canada. Yeah, uh, sure. Tomorrow? Probably not a great <laughs> time of year to go to Canada, if I'm being honest. But <laughs> hey, there's only, there's no bad weather. There's only bad clothes. I know. I'm just thinking about you guys. Though. <laughs> Aww. I'd be fine with it. Um, I wouldn't. We would never get you guys or my wife uh, outside in that weather. No, I would not. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good call, good call. Yeah. You 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 asked me to walk your dog earlier this week because it's too cold. <laughs> the wind chill is negative twenty two. Okay. Well, you know, just kinda all right, you know. You think the bison you know, just be like a bison. All right, just deal with it. Okay. Um She's demonstrably nothing like a bison in terms of equipment. <laughs> Yeah, I spent hundreds of dollars to approach bison level of warmth. Yeah. Also, Ooh. approach. She's missing like <laughs> close to two thousand pounds of the mass right. she needs. Uh -huh. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, what? <laughs> uh, hang on, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say. Um, yeah. Now I know there's like obviously there's a lot more we could talk about with bison, mm -hmm. um, and. At some point, it would probably be worth delving into a little bit the story of the Plains Bison as well because sure. important. <laughs> this is very important. Yeah. Uh, uh, and we really haven't talked about them very much we on this podcast, no. you know, for like the iconic mm -hmm. uh, uh, grasslands animal of North mm -hmm. America. Yeah. It is kind of wild to think about these animals becoming so significant to North America when they really started off in Eurasia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, this latecomer to North America kind of Just took over. Took over, yeah, yeah, and like really made it its home. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, so integrated with the people that live yeah. here, yeah. like that still live here. It would be interesting to kind of delve into, you know, because the, the time period of their influx into the country and the rise of grasslands in North America, the development of grasslands in North America, of mm -hmm. the North American prairies, like they go very hand in hand. So mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting to see like, you know, that's a, you know, the relationship is very strong there, very key. Mm -hmm. So it would be interesting to look into that. Yeah, absolutely. And perhaps we will perhaps. another day, but it's just nice uh, to think now about, you know, things aren't as depressing as they could be. <laughs> Right? That's what I want yeah, you guys to think great. about. 
you yeah. know, uh, uh, you know, even something that's considered ecologically extinct now mm-hmm. may not be in the future. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good people who are committed to making that a reality. So yeah. uh, that's what's encouraging. You know, it's nice. I think we have to tune in sometimes to the more positive, more encouraging conservation stories uh, and not get so damn sad. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy to do that yes. when you're interested in this field. Yeah. Um, also, oh, by the way, this is just a random fun fact. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm ready. The amount of money that they've spent on... Uh, in Alaska uh-huh. on wood bison reintroduction in the last 25 years. How much do you think they've spent on it? Ballpark me a um, number. Billions. Uh, Billions? The GDP know. of Alaska. <laughs> they have spent $5 million, <laughs> million. Okay. in 25 years. That's the <gasps> amount of money it takes to pave a mile of highway in Alaska. Oh, that's not as bad. Okay. That's not much at all. So can yeah. you imagine like with the funding and with the resources behind this, what they could do? Uh-huh. Like it's just, it's, you know, just I'm saying, I'm just saying. It costs $5 million to pave one mile of highway in Alaska? It's, you got to get. It's, it's so expensive. It's expensive wow. to get. Especially it, Just Alaska. to get materials yeah. up there, to get uh, machinery up there. Uh-huh. Everything's expensive. Wow. They don't have roads in Alaska, Rachel. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> okay, yeah, like I when I was living in Juneau, I just thought it was so weird that you like take the highway out of town, and it just stops. <laughs> like you just hit a point where it's like, nope, no more road. Yeah, get a boat, get a plane, see ya. I, I, <laughs> We're done here. I've worked in Nome, Alaska. Yeah, I no, it. that's even more remote. Oh, yeah. yeah, like yeah. Juneau's their biggest city, and they're just like, eh, we're out of road now. <laughs> I guess Anchorage is uh, their biggest city. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. For sure, for sure. Um, also, just like to highlight how significant that positive aspect of ecological extinction going into potential non-extinction in the future and stuff. I don't know. That feels way more plausible for smaller animals mm-hmm. and for it to be such a large animal that needs such a huge expanse of land and, mm-hmm. you know, like open spaces. And like, I'm even surprised that there's enough area without fences, honestly, in yeah. Canada. Yeah. Because that's like such a huge problem in the United States. Like, I cannot imagine just having outside of national parks, like just free ranging bison herd because yeah. everything is fenced off and stuff. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, that, that makes it especially encouraging, this specific story, because it's not just i don't know some little fish they managed to preserve one lake for or whatever yeah (laughs) you know like it's herds of bison managing to i don't know survive if not thrive for Mm -hmm. sure well and some of that is definitely a factor of the fact that like that like interior alaska northwestern canada far far less populous than the current range of the plains bison Mm -hmm. is now you know um but even still there's a ton of public land in the western united states you know where you know you could reduce some of these barriers and make these things happen um the public support of bison reintroduction has gone way up okay like some recent surveys show that there is a lot of like you know, people agree this is our national mammal. This is an iconic thing. Like we need – it's worth protecting. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. worth, you know, it's worth having, you know, uh, in a – exist in a form uh, that doesn't directly translate to bison burgers. You know what I mean? So like it's, it's you know, it's having, you know, like – like we have 95% of bison currently in agricultural settings, but like – you know, there's a future for there's, expansion. Yeah, there's a future for it. So, like, you oh, know, that's cool. yeah, it's exciting. Bison are up in the polls. <laughs> Get them back. It's their time. It's their yeah. Time. Okay, that's all I got. Beautiful. Thank you, Alan, and thank you, listener, for tuning in to the Best Biome. This is one of our podcasts that we produce here. Grassland Groupies, a nonprofit focused on grassland education. We're doing a lot of projects this year, so keep in touch with us on social media, etc. You can find all of our links in the description. And we'll be back next month with a new episode. And I believe it's Nicole's episode. Bye. Bye. Farewell.